Good evening. Good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for tonight continues our series on one word. Uh, tonight we are getting into a new section of the book. There are several words that are divided up into different sections. And this one is involving Christian character. And I believe there are eight lessons in this series based on Christian character. Our word for tonight is mercy. And last week we looked at grace and how it applied to us and how it comes from God. And tonight's lesson involving mercy, it does involve to some degree the mercy that we receive from God. But we're going to focus more on the Christian character aspect of it as that is the subject that we are studying over the next few weeks. Most commonly in Scripture, mercy is used by God to describe Himself, by Jesus to describe those who are blessed, as we saw in our Scripture reading. There are certain words that are translated as mercy. From the Greek, in the New Testament, Elios is a noun used to describe an outward demonstration of pity, sympathy, or compassion. It is assumed that the recipient is in need of mercy and that the one showing it has adequate resources to meet the need. It is used to describe both God, as in Ephesians 2 and verse 4, and man, Luke 10 and verse 37. Elio is a verb used to describe sympathy or compassion that is demonstrated in actions. And elimon is an adjective used to describe someone who is actively compassionate, not merely filled with pity, as in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7. And in the Old Testament from the Hebrew, we have the word raham, which is used as a verb to describe having compassion or being merciful and is used some 125 times in the Old Testament. Though hesed is used and is used and translated as mercy at times, it is also translated as loving kindness in others. This lesson's focus is more toward man's mercy than God's mercy to us. But having said that, I want us to begin with God's mercy to man because it's important that we understand how God is merciful to us so that we can know how to be merciful to other people. Mercy is commonly defined as not receiving what one deserves. Grace, on the other hand, is receiving more than what is deserved. So when we look at that in reference to justice, we might think also of getting what we deserve if we were to get justice. But mercy relieves us of that justice. It relieves us of what we deserve. We as humans deserve punishment for our sin. But mercy allows us to be freed from that punishment. Grace goes beyond that. When we are offered grace by God, we are offered salvation from sin. We are offered heaven. We don't deserve those things. 
by the way that we live and the things that we do, we do not deserve grace. But it is given to us nonetheless. It is a gift from God and nothing we can do can earn that grace. In His sacrifice on the cross, Jesus took away our punishment, offering us mercy. John 3.16, a verse that we can probably all quote from memory. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now I want to notice a couple of different things in this verse toward the end. First of all, the words should not perish. We should not perish. Because God gave His only begotten Son, we should not perish. Should is important because it shows us that we could perish. We can perish if we do not believe, if we do not obey. But if we believe, we should not perish. And if we believe, that means that we should obey the gospel, but that doesn't always mean that that is the case. There are those who believe in God, but refuse for one reason or another to obey the gospel. But we should not perish. In that we should not perish, this is mercy. We see mercy in John 3 and verse 16. And the last few words of the verse have everlasting life. We should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life is something that we do not deserve. And so we see grace in these words. Should not perish offers mercy and have everlasting life offers grace. Because God has shown us mercy, we are also to be merciful. A passage that we studied several weeks ago, Matthew chapter 18 and beginning with verse 21, we read the, the parable of the unforgiving servant. And in this parable we find that we are to be merciful. Verse 21 of Matthew 18, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him up to seven times? That seems generous, right? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Even though as we looked at in our study, there was really no way that he could pay all of his debt. 
In verse 27, And the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But in verse 28, But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a much lesser debt than he owed his master. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? His master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to each of you from his heart. For if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I don't believe the word mercy is used in that passage, but the idea of mercy is there. As the master had been merciful to his servant, by not holding his debt against him, the forgiven servant was also expected to be merciful. And when the forgiven servant was not merciful toward his fellow servant, he was delivered to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. As we read in verse 34. As we look at how this applies to us, we are forgiven our debt by God, and so we are expected to be forgiving of the trespasses of our fellow man, Christian and non-Christian alike. It is more about having the attitude of forgiveness, not just a single act of mercy, but having the attitude of mercy. Though forgiveness is offered, we have to understand that it may not be accepted. When forgiveness is not accepted, we are not to be bitter. As we read in Hebrews 12 and verse 15, or to seek evil for evil. 1 Peter 3 and verse 9. And that gets us to the main point of our lesson. Man's mercy to others. We are commanded in Scripture to be merciful. And we're told of the benefits of it as well. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. In verse 7, and what we often refer to as the Beatitudes. One of the Beatitudes is, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Our reward for being merciful to others is that we obtain mercy from God. That's what God wants us to be. That's the type of character that God wants of His people. And as was the case with the unforgiving servant that we read about in Matthew chapter 18, we are only granted mercy if we are merciful to others. That's part of Christian living. 
Hosea 6 and verse 6 says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offering. And this passage is referenced in a couple of different places in the New Testament. And there are lessons that we can learn from each. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Let's read together verses 9 through 13. Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to, to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, verse 12, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Pharisees, those who were most learned in the scriptures, were told, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. As much book knowledge as they had, they didn't have the knowledge of application, the knowledge they needed to apply this to what Jesus was doing. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You see, Jesus offered mercy to sinners through repentance. But the Pharisees did not understand His purpose in His teaching them and being around them. Another passage is in Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Matthew 12 Verses 1 through 8. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. They were working. In verse 3, But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. 
The Israelites were commanded not to work on the Sabbath as it was the day of rest. In remembrance of God's resting from his labors on the seventh day. But the Pharisees were more concerned with how this law should be executed than, that they, than they were with the basic needs of man. The Pharisees did not understand the importance and significance of mercy in the sight of God. Something that we learn about mercy is that mercy is more than an act. It is an attitude. Blessed are the merciful. It's not dwelling on an act of pity or compassion. It's dwelling on the character of man. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. James sheds light on this in chapter 2 of the book of James in verses 1 through 13. James 2, beginning with verse 1. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory, or the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, You sit here in a good place. Say to the poor man, You stand there. Or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and come judges with evil thoughts? Verse 5, Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He promised to those who love Him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts. Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? Verse 8, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The first thing that this addresses is that we are not to show favor to one and not another. We are not to be partial in our judgment, but our judgment is to be just. We'll be very careful of how we judge. The law is fulfilled in loving neighbor as self. At least as our law as far as our treatment of each other, our treatment of man is concerned, it is fulfilled in loving neighbor as self. And of course the other part of that law is to love God. With all of our heart, soul, strength, mind, 
We are judged with mercy only if we have shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. God is a righteous judge. He will judge based on our deeds and He will judge with righteous judgment. He shows no partiality. But we also understand that mercy triumphs over judgment. And God will certainly grant us mercy if we are merciful. We read of examples in Scripture of those that had a merciful heart. And the type of attitude, the type of heart that we need to have today. Jesus is the greatest example of mercy. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Let's notice verses 27 through 31. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind, man came, blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Verse 29, Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. But when they had departed, as on other occasions, they spread the news about him in all that country. The two blind men followed him. I'm not sure exactly. But they followed him, and they cried out, Have mercy on us! Jesus was full of love and compassion. And He looked upon them and was merciful to them. When we are able to be merciful, certainly Jesus is a great example to follow. Another example is that of David. Being merciful, we are right to seek God's mercy, and David did so in prayer on a very often basis. Psalm 4.1 is one example of that. Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me. Hear my prayer. David asked God for mercy. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. David was a merciful individual. We read of a, a couple of occasions between 1 Samuel chapters 24 and 26 where David showed that he was a merciful individual. I won't take the time to read the verses, but just to kind of summarize, we see that Saul sought his life 
Saul wanted David dead. Even after all the good that David had done and how good he had been to Saul, Saul was threatened by David. And he felt that he would lose his kingship. He could see it coming. And he didn't want David to take it away from his son either. And he wanted David dead. And so he sought his life. David had an opportunity in chapter 24 to kill Saul. But he spared his life. Though Saul didn't deserve to be spared, David spared his life. In chapter 25, the read of Nabal and Abigail. Nabal refused to give David's men anything to eat or to share any of his wealth with them. And David was going to seek his life and Abigail, being the peacemaker that she was, talked to David. She supplied his men with those things that he needed. And even though we don't see it at the beginning of this story, we do see it in the end that David spared the life of Nabal. He was merciful. Nabal was a mean scoundrel and yet David showed mercy and spared his life. Although his life ended. Even so. And again in verse 26 we see that David once again spared Saul's life. But we see that David overall was a merciful individual. And so when he prayed to God and when he said, have mercy on me, hear my prayer. Though he wasn't a perfect man. And technically, he didn't deserve that God would hear his prayers. He asked for mercy. And he was right in doing so because he was a merciful individual. And we also read of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Luke 18 and verse 9. Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, God, be merciful to me, to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. As you look at the character of both of these individuals in this parable, 
We see, first of all, the character of the Pharisee. The Pharisee showed no mercy. We can see that evidenced in his prayer. He was proud within himself. I'm not like one of these. Or even this lowly tax collector. I'm not like him. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm not. But the tax collector, the tax collector was different. He begged for God's mercy. Be merciful to me, a sinner. And mercy was granted him. He went down to his house justified rather than the Pharisee. He asked for mercy. And he received it. The main point of this parable is humility. But we also see an element of mercy here as well. Again, mercy is more than just seeing someone who's in need of it. And granting that mercy in that one instance, but, but in others not granting it at all. Mercy is to be part of our character. It's to be part of our Christian life. We are to be merciful when we have the opportunity to show mercy. Why? Because, again, going back to the beginning of our lesson, God has shown mercy to us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave His Son to die for the sins of all though all will not receive Him. To become a Christian, we must obey the Gospel by faith, obeying, repenting of our sins, changing our life, confessing our faith in Christ, being baptized for the remission of sin. And if you've not done that, if you need to obey the gospel, the opportunity is yours. If you need to return to God, if you need to repent, or ask for forgiveness, or prayers on your behalf. Today is as good a day as any to obey the gospel or to come back if there's something that you need to take care of in your life. We give you that opportunity as we stand as we sing.